This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Earlier this week in Winston-Salem, the National Sports Media Association handed out their awards, including state-level awards that they do every year uh, to the best broad uh, sportscaster and sports writer in each state as voted on by, I guess, members of the National Sports Media Association. Uh, this year's winner for Sports Writer of the Year has been doing it for a long time here in North Carolina. And his good friend, his name is Andrew Carter. He joins us now from the News and Observer, your 2022 Sports Writer of the Year. Andrew, what's going on, man? Hey, my friend. Uh, and that award certainly not voted upon by readers. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I am well. Thank you for having me, Hayes. Appreciate the introduction. I uh, hope, hope you are great, too. I find it interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned that, and I can only think because Josh Goodson, earlier on the show, we were going over uh, over uh, over under win totals for next year. And now this has become – and I think you wear this fine because you, you're, like, you're the guy who puts opinions out there, right? And, like, I don't even think you really <laughs> meant this as a jab, but he was like, where do you want to start, Hayes? Uh, you know, is there anywhere else to start but the best program in the state up at App oh State? So, yeah, it was about uh, – a little later than a year ago, it was like uh, September a year ago, where you declared and wrote a great story about App State being the best program in the state. You defended it because they play on a different level. There's different ways to judge it. It is a subjective thing. <laughs> and you got a lot of feedback on that one. So I'm guessing uh, you're thinking those weren't the people voting on best sports writer. But if, the, if, if you were yeah. a sports radio guy, you did the job perfectly. The job is to generate takes, right? It is, yeah, it is, and it's interesting that you bring up uh, that particular thing I wrote because to me it's very indicative of just like the the state of uh, sports media and how things are consumed and sort of what resonates and what people remember. Um, you know, because my role at the NNO right now, most of the time, probably eighty-five, ninety percent of my time is spent on pursuing these larger enterprise stories, yeah. things that I spend days or weeks reporting. Uh, and yeah, granted during the football season, I would put together like a weekly sort of column type thing, like a reactions uh, type piece focused on North Carolina, the ACC, uh, also App State ECU. Um, and yeah, I think I wrote that after App had defeated Texas A&M yeah. on the road and wrote that. And I believed it. I still believe it. Um, it was sort of this pound-for-pound pound argument, doing more with less, maximizing your potential. Um, you know, but I didn't spend a ton of time on it. <laughs> I wrote it in maybe a, an hour or two, uh, and it took off and generated all this conversation and response. And, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here being like, you know, guys, I, you know, I spend weeks doing some of these pieces that no one pays attention to. I, like, I'm, writing, uh, I'm writing pieces about how sports <laughs> is like saving the lives of teenagers in Kinston, North Carolina. They're like using right. it to yeah, get out. And it's example. transformative. And stuff I, right. And I care about those deeper stories and uh, very thankful for the opportunities I have at the NNO to tell those more important things. But, you know, it's like people remember just like, the, the quick hit stuff that makes them mad. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure that's the healthiest thing for 
journalism or readers or whatever. No, you're right. That's it is is what it is, as they say. That's the sign that we're doomed when, like, you know, somebody can (laughs) somebody can give you like the the front line. Here's what things look like in Ukraine. I've been there for six months. I risked my life, and here's what it looks like. And the same day, somebody can be like. Is a hot dog a sandwich? And like the internet will choose to go. Oh, we're yeah, we're on hot dog guy. Yeah, this is that. Sorry, this is the direction we're going with it. Uh, yes. You're exactly right. That's yeah. That's it's, a perfect encapsulation of kind of where we're at. It's a little scary. Um, hey, I did notice one of the theme, and obviously the your uh, if we're technically talking about your award winning stuff, that would be from 2022 when you you got the award. But just in general, the theme of your writing over the past six months to a year or so, I see a recurring theme of the changing face of college athletics, particularly because yeah. uh, college sports has been the bedrock of North Carolina athletics, uh, even I mean, much more so than professional sports historically, even though obviously that's changed. And now college athletics is changing. You talk specifically about you know, Wake Forest and how even when they're succeeding, uh, what 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 does success mean in, in a changing college landscape where dollars and eyeballs can be the number one things. You talked to, to the different ADs uh, about how they're all approaching it. And even going back to ACC, uh, the ACC tournament, you talked about how, you know, the ACC basketball used to be, I remember Sports Illustrated saying next to the Masters, their ACC tournament tickets were the toughest ticket in sport, yeah. and obviously that yeah. changed. I read that, I read that piece. That exact same thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so all of those things kind of have the theme of what's changing in college athletics. Is there a theme to the things that you find continually that things are most that people are most worried about or that are changing the fastest in college athletics? Yeah, I think that, you know, if I were to put my finger on it, you know, I think it's this, um, you know, general unease, general sense of sort of what matters. Um, you know, I think you described it perfectly just there, Hayes, I think, you know, in sports in North Carolina, the bedrock of it has been college athletics and so much of it, in North Carolina, it's about rivalries. It's about the shared connection um, that we all have as North Carolinians. Uh, you know, the, the Duke UNC rivalry is sort of a good example of like, yeah, that matters. It's a huge deal. I know it matters a great deal among those fan bases. But in North Carolina, it's the UNC MC State rivalry. You know, in terms of alums. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013-888-843-0013 or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Far and away, you have, you know, the, the greatest percentage of alums are UNC State alums and football. That game matters more than any other college football game in the state, and yet, we're in a world now where it's like UNC is being talked about, and rightfully so. I recognize the brand power of UNC athletics, Michael Jordan, uh, the you know legacy of Dean Smith, Roy Williams. You go on and on. That's a national college athletics brand. I get it, um, but to be in a world in which we think realistically that UNC could go off into the SEC, the Big Ten, and be separated even from Duke because Duke doesn't have that football prowess, but especially from NC State. 
because uh, state's not being talked about among one of those schools that's going to have a landing spot. Uh, what does that do to the sporting culture of North Carolina? I wonder about that. Wake Forest, I wrote a story recently uh, that you referenced about the fact that, you know, in terms of winning, in terms of on-the-field results, you know, Wake has a more recent ACC football championship than uh, both UNC and NC State. Wake recently pairing the ACC championship game. They foiled NC State's hopes many a time to, to get there, and they could be left without a place at the table. Uh, if things shake out the way that we expect, you know, if there's like a 40 or 48 two league, uh, you know, super confederation of college athletics, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so there's fear out there about how, how all this stuff manifests, uh, how all of it trickles down. How does it affect the ECUs, the app states of the world? Um, you know, and it reiterates to me that the perception and reality that college athletics is just kind of rudderless. It's, uh, you know, doesn't really have a leader. Um, there's nobody looking out for the greater interests of the enterprise. Uh, and if you're somebody who grew up in North Carolina, like the both of us did, uh, Hayes, you got to be concerned about the direction of this. I mean, do you want to see UNC in Nebraska playing, <laughs> or do you want to see UNC Iowa or, or UNC whoever in the Big Ten or, or UNC Missouri, Arkansas in the SEC more than you want to see annual games between UNC and NC State? Uh, I think not. Uh, you know, so I think if you're concerned about college athletics in North Carolina uh, or concerned, you know, you got you to just be concerned about the state of, of where things are going, I think, if you're a college sports fan. Yep. Andrew Carter of the News and Observer joining us. He is the 2022 winner of the uh, North Carolina Sports Writer of the Year as awarded by the National Sports Media Association. Um, I know that you, you know, when you're reporting, you're talking to people, you're, um, you're, you're doing, bringing some of the history, reporting what's happening in the, in the now. You can do smart work that way. It's harder to make predictions, and that's why probably in sports radio we do it because it's like a dumber form of media. But in, ha- in doing all your talking and looking where the landscape is, do you have a prediction of where things might be going in the next couple of years? And I'm talking specifically about, like I talked with Chip Patterson yesterday about how long, you know, the NIL thing is shifting, and even that feels like we're kind of uh, on quicksand, you know, that, that it's not going to stay the same. Uh, do you have any predictions as to uh, college athletes getting paid, if that's something that might be coming sooner rather than later, and what effect that might have on college sports, either creating a maybe recognizing full-on there's going to be a group of college athletes, maybe just the ones that play football in the Big Ten and the SEC, I don't know, but they will, that we will – officially call professional athletes who are just playing at the college level? I think, yeah, I think that model is coming. And you look back at how NIL started and we, you know, how we reached this point with NIL that really started with a a legal case in California. You know, California was the first state um, that allowed athletes that right. And then you saw sort of a domino effect where other states subsequently uh, through their state legislatures allowed the same, uh, legal rights to athletes in those states to pursue the same opportunities commercially to endorse brands and this and that. Uh, and now, you know, it's, it's kind of fitting that in California, you see a very similar case, not the same, but a similar case, uh, that if it goes, uh, the plaintiff's way would lead to athletes being considered employees. Uh, I do think there are some fundamental differences. I think in this case, um, there's a lot more of the nitty gritty to be worked out. I don't see a scenario where, 
uh, similar to NIL, basically the NCAA throws up its hands and is like, okay, everyone's an employee uh, who competes in college athletics. I right. do think there are some steps that are going to have to happen and, uh, and evolution, but I think that's the direction that we're headed. Um, and then we're going to be left with uh, a scenario in which different schools kind of have to decide what to do because depending on your budget, depending on your endowment, your donor base, this and that, like that's a lot of money. Um, for some schools, especially in this era of athletic directors making millions, coaches, et cetera. Uh, you know, some schools just might find it. I'm not going to say impossible because I think that's a lie, but, you know, it's going to really stretch the budgets uh, of schools that they have to pay athletes. Uh, and are you paying all athletes? Are you paying football players and basketball players more because they generate the most money? You know, these are all questions I think that are going to be settled uh, in the next few years. But, you know, I do wonder, and this is hinting at another story I'm working on, uh, you know, whether a school uh, in the so-called Power Five kind of throws up its its hands and is like, this isn't for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think about a Stanford uh, just because of the academic reputations. I think of places like Northwestern, Duke. Uh, even a Wake Forest. I mean, I think that would be a very difficult choice. You know, I don't really see a, a Duke or a Wake, especially being like, "Ah, oh, this isn't for us," because they're too, in, uh, you know, they're too invested yep. in it. But uh, you know, I do think those conversations are going to be happening. Stanford's a perfect example where that, I mean, they just, I think they just finished first in the director's cup and I don't know how their football or basketball team did, but I know they didn't do great or I would know more about it, but, but they, you know, pride themselves on they're competing in almost every, every sport. They're going to be really good at, you know, from tennis to rowing to whatever. And they might say, you know, the, our athletic program isn't based on money chasing for football. And we're going to do it this way. It's still, I think it's feasible. Like yeah. I think about the university of Chicago decision in the 1940s and granted, you know, that's like an eon ago. It might as well be ancient history. Um, but I do think that the general principle and logic follows where it's like you had an elite academic institution at that point in time being like, you know what? No, thanks. Uh, and there are some things happening nowadays, I think, that could lead some schools to uh, making a similar call. Um, I know you've written about gambling. We're talking to Andrew Carter of the News and Observer. We're going to get it in North Carolina. The law just passed. Um, my question is. For the average fan, like annoying ads are one thing. Obviously, we'll get annoying ads, but like if you if you really stay, if if you if we never had beer ads during you know football <laughs> games, and then all of a sudden this year, the first year we had beer ads, we'd be like, oh my god, all these beer ads, right? Like I feel like we just don't notice them because they've always been there, you know. So we're gonna notice them when they come. Other than that, is there a direct effect on the fan experience for gambling? Let's say average fan fan that doesn't even want to gamble is is gambling going to ruin sports for the person that just wants to go to the game and watch no i don't think so not not at all i mean you know and there's been so many opportunities to gamble anyway yeah. like it's sort of been this uh you know industry that even though it's been uh technically illegal in, in north carolina like if you really wanted to gamble in north carolina uh, as a resident you could find ways to do that uh, whether it's through like a you know a person who lives in the state where they could pull up an app on their phone or whether you have your own connect locally. Uh, speaking of that, like I, you know I remember uh, the, the story of the folks who ran a ring out of what's present day Mitch's, which I'm sure you're probably familiar sure. with being a Raleigh, a Raleigh historian. Like sure. 
so the, so the point is, like, if you wanted to be engaged in that activity, you, you could have already. And if you didn't, then obviously, you know, no one's forcing you to. Um, you know, my concern with that is just, you know, it, it is sort of, I don't know, those concerns that people bring up when they argue against it being legal is, and you've seen this in the NFL. You know, there's a story yesterday that came out about uh, some players possibly being suspended for the year because of, involvement in different activities yep. you know how does this affect the integrity of it are athletes pulled into it um and so that stuff I, you know I, like i mean if the ncaa wants to get in bed with this stuff if the leagues want to get in bed with it it is sort of sanctimonious to me to expect players and athletes not to engage in it whatsoever because you know like it's that old argument. Like, how, you know, how can your employer or your league or whatever, your, you know, the NCAA make millions or billions of dollars with these agreements and, uh, you know, the commercialization of it. And then you expect the people actually participating not to be involved, I think is a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, it's hypocritical. To use, to use my earlier example, like, can you imagine if right now they'd be like, Guys, it's just a bad look to have uh, NFL players drink beer, so you're you're not allowed to anymore. Um, you know, like right. oh, oh, so so you got so we're not advertising with anyone. No, 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 no. We're definitely going to keep all of the advertising money. It's just a bad look for you as a player to be doing it. And so, no, you can't do it anymore. Well put. Um, uh, final couple questions: Do you own a Shibumi? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, I do not. I, uh, I appreciate the Shibumi discourse. Okay. Jeremy, Jeremy Markovich, I love his stuff. Uh, he reposted his Shibumi peach yep. piece from a year or two well, ago. I, I will say, I, you're you're a big Shibumi guy. Yeah. Let me uh, let me interrupt. There's one thing he should have amended. He's amended his piece with like updated things that have happened with Shibumi. What he hasn't done, and I pointed this out to Markovich. I got beef with him. He went and found like the exact date <laughs> where the Google search like took off, and he said yeah. it was like. He, he took it back to like basically a Fourth of July weekend, one weekend where like a lot of people would likely the beach. There were already a decent number out there, and then they all they exploded. What he doesn't tell you, and I've pointed out to him, right at that same time that he pinpoints, I could show you a Sports Channel Eight the radio show interview with the Shibumi guys <laughs> on ninety nine nine the fan. So he can't independently of knowing that that happened, he was he declared this is the date it took off, and then I went back and said, yeah, look what else happened on this date. Uh, so anyway, that, sorry, I had to interrupt, toot my own horn. But yeah, before I throw you out of North Carolina, defend your non-Shibumi ownership. What's going on here? You know what? I don't know if I'm hip enough, A, and I don't know if I go to the beach enough, man. Like, I'm a mountain guy. That, that's fair. The, the, I, I love getting up to the mountains. I look, I get to down to the beach three, four times a year, but never for more than a couple of days at a time. Uh, if I'm hitting up either end of 
North Carolina, I'm going up to the mountains. So that's, if, that's my excuse. If you go on the beach three or four times a year for a couple of days at a time, I think that's Shibumi worthy, man. I don't it's know. It's a little I, bit expensive, though, is it not? It's, I'm a sports writer, man. Like, it's, <laughs> fair enough. As I'm, soon not, as, I'm not one of those radio guys. Uh, at this yeah, yeah. You know the radio guys are rolling in it. Life is great for radio guys. <laughs> yes, you know how that goes. <laughs> um, no, I think it becomes one of those where, like, any other shade option – the price, you may find one at a lower price, but you're probably replacing it like much, much, much sooner. And that first. I'm good with my umbrella. All right. You know? The first time you carry it out and set up and you're like, all right, that was, that was kind of legit. <laughs> uh, and then my last question for you was, so that, that negates my next question, which was, how faded is your Shibumi? Uh, your, oh, man. your friend and colleague, Luke DeCock, is claiming he's got like basically an all white Shibumi. That's how old school he is. Well, Luke has never invited me to the beach, so uh, I wouldn't know. Uh, and if you're listening out there, Luke, I expect that to change at some point soon. I think he might be at the beach now, so he's not listening. But we will rest yeah, him off the beach tomorrow to join us for the show from the beach for an annual, uh, maybe even an under the Shibumi interview. My last question for you, how long is the hair, Andrew Carter? My hair is long, man. I got the flow going. <laughs> Um, it, you know, it's sort of resplendent right now. It's in the resplendent stage. Um, but the resplendent stage precedes the looking as though I'm unhoused stage. So, uh, <laughs> it's also the, the days are, the it, days are numbered for it. That plus beard has to be a lot in, in the humidity right now. Like when it's cold, <laughs> I definitely feel too. the lack of hair. So when it's hot, yeah, I feel too. like you got to be feeling the excess hair. I mean, it feels like I'm walking around town with, like, a wet dog on top of my scalp uh, a, a little bit. So at some point soon, I'm going to have to take care of this. But right now, it's good. He is the... Uh, I, got, I got one more mountain trip, and then maybe it will be time. All right, there you go. He is the North Carolina Sports Writer of the Year for 2022. Got that award this week in Winston-Salem at the National Sports Media Association Awards. And you can find his work at the News Observer uh, always writing on great topics, college athletics, um, what it's like being a recruit, um, gambling, topical stuff, deep dive, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, keep up the great work, and great to talk to you as always, my man. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks so much. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.